Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Jason Hale, and I'm the Nolensville Campus Pastor here at Rolling Hills. These past few weeks, we've been talking about celebration, goodness, and gratitude, and today we're going to look at how those things can be seen in God's church. God created us to be in community, and He created His church to be a place where His goodness is on display through His people. So let's jump into the third chapter of 1 Thessalonians and see what God has to teach us. Thank you for joining us. Right. Well, welcome again. Uh, we're super excited uh, to be able to, to worship together with you uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and grab them. Or maybe it's your phone or whatever. You can open that up, the app on your phone that has the Bible on it. We're, uh, we're going to be in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 this morning. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we began a sermon series uh, that's really going to kind of take us right up to Christmas, which is uh, absurd to think about that we're that close uh, to Christmas. But this, this series is called Celebrating God's Goodness. Uh, and we're working through the book of First Thessalonians and just reading, working through this letter that Paul writes and celebrating God's goodness in the way. First week, what we looked at in First Thessalonians chapter 1 was Pastor Jeff talked to us and, and shared about how uh, Paul is celebrating the goodness of God and others. Uh, talking about their faith and the hope and the love that he saw in these, uh, in the Thessalonians that he's writing this letter to. And we took that week uh, just a quick flyover uh, as we began this series of what God has done over the past 18 years in Rolling Hills. And as we began as a, as a church meeting in an apartment clubhouse to four campuses and the fact that that represents a lot more than just buildings, it represents lives being transformed and, and people growing in their faith and getting connected and uh, serving and going on mission. And so with such an exciting kind of overview of those things and Paul celebrating the goodness of God and others in that same way. And last week in chapter two, we, we talked about how hearts that are perpetually uh, have gratitude and, and perpetually celebrate God's goodness, are, it, that all begins in our hearts or lives that, that are lived in gratitude that, that celebrate God's goodness that begins in our heart and hearts that are transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and trust wholly in the, in the, in, in the gospel of Jesus. And so that's where we've been over the past couple of weeks. And this week, we're going to continue in chapter three and kind of the premise or the, the main point, and this is going to come up there, and if you have your worship guide, you can begin filling in here, kind of what we're overarching looking at is celebrating God's goodness in the church is an encouragement to the church of God's goodness. This week, as we continue in it, what we're going to look at is Paul celebrating God's goodness in the church, looking at the church and celebrating this goodness of God in, in, the, in the lives of the people there in the church of Thessalonica, and how celebrating God's goodness in the church can be an encouragement to the church of God's goodness. So it works together in, those, in that way. And, and we all need that encouragement, right? We all need these words of encouragement, no matter how hard the exterior we put on and, and kind of act like we don't need things, we don't need, we don't care about people's words. We need the simple words of encouragement. We need those moments where people remind us that we're seen, that we're valued. We need those, those places that people tell us that, that they appreciate us. We need them. Encouragement in a lot of ways can be the spark that lights a life of faith, a faith that perseveres. We need the, these encouragements because, I, I, and I know how life-giving encouragement can be because I also know how detrimental and how painful words that are not meant to encourage can be. We've all heard those or maybe you've said it that sticks and stones break your bones but words will never hurt me, but that's just not the truth, right? Right? Because I know how words have hurt. 
and also know how words have healed. We need those words of encouragement. Encouragement and the, those who are, that, sent, that, that are encouragers, um, I believe are a gracious gift from God. And so as we continue to look through this and look at this passage, uh, I want to ask you just to pray with me and, um, and then we'll dive in to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's pray together. Lord, you are good and gracious and merciful and loving and kind. And Lord, as we open up your word today, I pray that you would give us a clarity about your power and your majesty and your glory. And at the same time about your presence that is tender and comforting and compassionate and near. God, I pray that you, through your word, would encourage our hearts. And God, as we look at your goodness and celebrate your goodness in the lives of these believers in Thessalonica as we look through this passage, but also in the lives of those who are around us, God, let it be an encouragement to us of your goodness that will sustain us. And we pray this boldly and we pray this confidently in the name of Jesus, who is our Savior. Amen and amen. The premise again, celebrating God's goodness in the church is an encouragement to the church of God's goodness. You can jump in. And what we're going to do is just kind of take just a little bit of a step back. I know I said chapter three, but I tricked you. We're going to jump into chapter two a little bit. Uh, you can forgive me if, the, if the, you find it in your heart there to do that. Chapter, chapter 2, verse 17 is where we're going to kind of begin, and then we'll read the first couple of verses of chapter 3. But this is what the word of the Lord right there in, the begin, or in chapter 2, verse 17 says, But... Brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing for you, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our, for what is our hope, and our joy, or our crown in which we glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus when, it, when he comes? Is it not you? Verse 20, indeed, you are our glory and our joy. And then to chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. So when we could not stand it any longer, we thought it best to, to, be, left our, to, leave our, to be left by ourselves in Athens. And we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. So let's just kind of take a step back and, and remind ourselves of what happened or what's happening here. Just the, if, you, if you remember, Paul's writing this letter to this group of people who are the church, they established this church, and all of this is recorded for us in Acts chapter 15 through 18. And, and what happens in there at the end of 15 is that Paul and Barnabas, who have been on missionary journeys, kind of have a, have a disagreement about bringing somebody along. And so they separate, and Paul goes one way, and Barnabas goes another. And the book of Acts continues to follow Paul's journey. Through, through his missionary journeys. And we, we continue in what we see here in verse 16 or chapter 16 of Acts is that he goes to a place called Philippi. And while he's there, we read this last week, that he was treated outrageously as the words that he uses. And so from there, he's driven out of Philippi and he ends up in Thessalonica and he's there. And it only, it says that really the best guess that we have is that he spent about three weeks there preaching in the synagogues and sharing with the people there and their lives are transformed. And he establishes this church before there in Thessalonica, he's run off again. And he ends up in Corinth. 
And as he's writing this letter, the best that we can tell from Corinth, he's sent, he sent his, this guy back, he sent Timothy back, and it's been about a year since he's been there, since he was in, in Thessalonica, that he's writing this letter. He's gotten a message back from, from Timothy, and he's writing this letter to them. It's about a year since he's been with them. And that time span, that three weeks in the year, it, it, it gets important later on. I, I think that we'll cover that in just a second as we work through the passage. But he's there, he's writing this letter a year after he's been, been away from him. And if there's anything that we can take encouragement from is this, or the first thing that I see in this passage that I feel like we really need to, that, that our hearts can be encouraged by is that there's encouragement by care, that we can be encouraged by the care that Paul displays towards the people that he loves. Paul says that, and what I hope captures our attention and encourages our heart today is that even though he was far away from them, they were not forgotten. Maybe you're like me and you're out of sight, out of mind, right? And there, it takes things to kind of remind you of the people that you left behind. I mean, we moved from uh, South Louisiana three years ago. And, and at some level, I mean, this is just part of my, who I am and maybe am growing a little bit. I, I, out of sight, out of mind. Right, and Facebook, as for all of the negative things that it has, it really does help me remember people that I've left. But for Paul, they're not out of sight, out of mind. It tells us that he he think, he prays for them, he thinks about them, he he he's he's separated from them. You can hear it in in what he read or what he writes to them. He says, "Brothers and sisters, they're more than acquaintances; they're family." And the language he uses here, he says, when we were orphaned and separated for a short time, not, at, not in thought, but in presence. The language that he uses, that we were orphaned, separated. And this is a, a painful separation for him. He cares deeply, continues, it says, out of an intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, and again, did again and again, but Satan blocked for, for what is our hope and our joy and then you go to verse one, it says, so when we could not stand it any longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. The words that he uses are, is an intense longing. I mean, he desires greatly to be with them. It's almost like you're, you're hearing him begin to sing, like he's about to break out into Diana Ross's Ain't No Mountain High Enough right here, right? Like that's where we're headed. I, I tell you, in 2003, I met Rebecca, and I was a summer staffer at a camp, and she was a chaperone. I've told this story before, but I'm going to make sure that y'all know she was a chaperone with a group of students. She was not a student. She was a chaperone. Everybody clear? <laughs> Very clear. She was in college, not a student. We met. We were there for a week, and she fell in love with me. I mean, it was just obvious. It was just <laughs> written all over her face. False. So she left, and... I mean, if you stood still for a second, I told you about the fact that I had met this girl that was going to be my wife. I was, it was going to happen. And the first month after we met, we, uh, this was back in the days when you had to pay for minutes on your cell phone, like after nine o'clock was free. Like, what was that? Right. And we had, my first cell phone bill after I met her was $600. What? And the very first chance that I got, the very first opportunity that I got to carry my little love struck self 10 hours away to visit her, I took it and just to take her on a date, drove 10 hours to take this girl on a date. There was a, literally an intense longing. 
she was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> that was a total surprise to her. Not really. She knew I was coming. I was not stalking her. But maybe you understand that. Like maybe you understand what it means to, to be separated and have this intense longing and, and the care that comes, what, what Paul's saying, this, the reality that he cared for them so much that he couldn't stop thinking about them. The way he left them, he wanted to make sure that they were continuing to grow in their faith. He cared so deeply for them. And maybe this morning what you need to hear is what the Thessalonians needed to hear from Paul is that you are cared for. That you are not forgotten. And just really, just as, as you're feeling this out, the truth for us this morning in a world that wants to tell us opposite of this, the truth for us is that we're not forgotten and isolated and abandoned, but you are loved and valued. First and foremost, I mean, first by, by, the, by me and the staff here, that's why we make sure that we reach out. If you give us information, we want to reach out and make sure that we do everything that we can to connect with you so that you know that we care about you. We're not following up to check marks off on some board where we get you know, gold stars for doing our job. No, this, it's what God has called us to, to make sure that we care for people. It's why if you've missed for a couple of weeks, I'm probably going to send you a, a text or one of our leaders are going to send you a text, not because we're hunting you down, because we care. We want to make sure that you're okay if there's something that we can do for you because we care. And so we step into those places and ultimately we learn those things what Paul, by Paul's care, but ultimately by Christ who cared more deeply for us than we can ever comprehend. I mean, if you just think about it, Christ himself left the joys and the perfection and the beauty of heaven to dwell among a creation that rejected him. And he came to us because he cared, because of his longing for the relationship that was broken to be established, to be reestablished, to be renewed. He came and he offered his life as a sacrifice out of an intense longing to be with you. And so our intense longing for whatever we intensely long for is only a speck compared to Jesus's longing to be with you because he cares for you. You are not forgotten, isolated or abandoned but loved and valued. And there's encouragement that comes from knowing that you're cared for. But there's also an encouragement that comes from presence. And we can read from the passage there's an that we can be encouraged by presence. And so it says, when we couldn't stand it any longer, we thought it best that we be left by ourselves in Athens, which means he's going to send off as he's doing the work of ministry. He's going to send one of his right-hand men. He's going to send them back to, be, to, to go and check on these guys. And so he sends Timothy, verse 2, who is a brother and a co-worker in the gospel service and spreading the gospel of Jesus to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. It's Timothy that, that was going to be the one that is present with them. He was the one that was able to come. Paul had been blocked multiple times, but Timothy wasn't blocked, and so he was going. Paul dearly loved Timothy. If you read the book of Timothy, you can sense this love that Paul has for this young believer that he's nurturing and, and, and discipling and raising up because he knows that God has big things for him. But in the process, he's going to send him back to a place that was hostile. The reason they left is not because they wanted to go to a better place. It was because this place was running them out. So he's sending Timothy back into a hostile place to check on these people. 
In his absence, he goes back there to find out what's going on because these individuals, these Thessalonians who, who had trusted Christ and turned away from following idols, as it says in chapter two, to, tur- to following the living Jesus, the living God, they had lost family and jobs and friends. Some of them maybe had even lost their lives because they were following Jesus. He go. He says, "I'm going to send." His Timothy was not Timothy's role was to go to them and be present with them, not to remove the struggles that they were they were facing, not to remove them from the persecution, but in the middle of that, to strengthen and encourage by his presence. And the reality for us is that we can't remove the struggles and the and the trials that we face. There's none of us that can buy our way out of them. We can't, we can't fix them. I mean, none of us in the past two years have lived without some level of struggle and trouble, right? And I think part of the reason why we get so upset in the middle of, of, those, of those, those moments where we have struggles and those kind of things is that we're shocked. We're shocked that we're experiencing them. That the struggles become worse because we're shocked at the fact that we're experiencing struggles. But Jesus tells us that we're going to experience it. If we go back to, to the gospel of John, John writes what Jesus says. He says, I told you these things so that in me you might have peace. Because in this world you're going to have trouble. So Timothy didn't go to remove them from trouble. He went to be a presence in the middle of trouble. And there's not going to be a time when you're free from trouble on this side of heaven. So we need to stop being shocked by it. But we also need to see that God sends friends and family to be, a, be with us in the middle of it. Paul had already told them. It was one of the reasons why he sent him is because he wanted to make sure that they were okay and that they were not shocked. They were not overwhelmed by the fact that they were facing these troubles and str- this, the struggles that they were, that they were facing. He told them in verse 4, he says, In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that, that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way. As you well know, for this reason, when I could not stand it any longer, I sent to find out your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had had tempted you and that your labors might be in vain. Facing this opposition, Paul says, I didn't want them to give up. I didn't want you guys to give up. And all the work that we had done to go be in vain because you gave up and said, never mind, I can't believe I'm facing all this trouble. It can't be good if I'm facing this trouble. He said, no, listen, you're going to face trouble. And that's part of what God's doing in you and is using it. But in the middle of that, I'm going to send somebody to be present with you. Maybe you've experienced that same kind of trouble. And you just need to be reminded that somebody's present with you. You need to be reminded that God is still good. He, he's no less good in the middle of those trials to be encouraged that, that God is still on the throne and that you are not alone, that he is present with you, but ultimately that there are those who are around you that want to lock arms with you and walk with you through that trouble. It's what we do as a church. As believers, we lock arms with each other and we, 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 we love on each other and we take care of each other in the midst of struggles and trials. That you have a family here. And truth is that, again, a lot of times we feel isolated and alone, but it's God's goodness to surround us with family in the midst of struggles. The truth for us today to hold on to is that it's good. It's his goodness to surround us with family in the midst of struggles. And that's what we are, is that we're family. 
Because this, as a, as, as a body of believers, it goes deeper than, than family blood. It, it, goes, it goes to the fact that we are one in Christ and, and a family that is unbroken forever and ever and ever. It's a deeper family than even what we have by blood is the fact that we are believers together. And it's God's goodness to surround us with brothers, with family in the midst of struggles. And that's something to celebrate, something to be encouraged by. And if you don't feel like you have that family yet, we want to say this can be that family. And if you don't have a place that you feel like is your home, it, we talked about earlier, serving is one of those places where this becomes and more and more becomes family. Being involved in a community group becomes more and more a reality that this is your family and we're here to lock arms together. And it's God's goodness to surround us with family when we face troubles. Next is that we can be encouraged by impact as we walk through this. And one of the things that I think is so special is that we can be encouraged by the impact that Paul writes. And here's the truth, kind of earlier in the, in, the, in, the, in the list here, but here's the truth for us that we can never fully understand the impact of our faith, the impact our faith has on those that we encounter. We can never fully understand the impact that our faith has on those that we encounter. Timothy goes and he comes back and he tells the story. He tells uh, Paul the story of what happened in Thessalonica and how these Christians there, these Thessalonian Christians are walking faithfully. And read in verse 6, it says, But Timothy has just, come, just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us, that you long to see us just as we long to see you. In verse 7, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged about you because of your faith. For now, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in, your, in, in return for all the joys that we have in the presence of our God because of you? Paul quite literally says that because of your faith, I'm alive. I live. That his faith in the middle of his distress as he's in Corinth, concerned about these, these Thessalonians, he, become, he is alive because of the report of the faith that they have continued to walk in as he sits distant from them. It brings him life. And what sticks out to me from this passage and what I hope we can draw from this is that the faithfulness of the people that he had left is what gives him life for the moment that he finds himself in also persecuted where he's at in Corinth. For him to persevere and continue in his faith, the faith that they had gave him life to continue to persevere in his faith. I mean, think about that. This group of Thessalonian Christians who he spent three weeks with, when he gets the report of their faithfulness, that he's a year later, that they're still walking in faith, it encourages Paul's heart to continue to walk in faith. I can tell you, I've been in ministry now for almost 20 years or just over 20 years at some level. Staff or part-time, full-time, volunteer at some level. And, and in that 20 years, time and time again, I can tell you that it's been students that I've led, congregations that I've been able to pastor in little and big ways that have been that encouragement for me to continue on. Just this week, I got two letters, and I don't know where I put them now. Dang it. Um, I got two letters from two of our kids, from the Stamper kids, that, just, that were just encouraging, 
just reminded me that God, that what I get to do is so, so much bigger than what I think it is. And in my office, as I opened this and was like, well, the, who is this for? What is this about? The fact that she, that, that, where, where is it? Uh, Pastor T, spelled T-E-A. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, Pastor T. Um, was such an incredible encouragement. And time and time again, it's text and calls and letters. It's watching some of you grow in your faith, going from just being around to connecting with others and getting involved in a small group and, and growing in, in relationship in those groups and stepping into serving. And, and then I hear you talk about reading your Bible and, and growing in your faith. And I, I, those kind of reports in my own heart, encourage me. And so I hear what Paul says, and I'm telling you the same way your faith encourages me to continue in my faith. Y'all never will know the impact that you have on the people that you encounter. But sometimes we need to tell people. And so there's been people in your life that have had an incredible impact. And maybe it was a student that you've seen step out in courageous faith and it encouraged you to walk in faithfulness where you are. And you need to tell them that because it may be that communication of the courage that you get, that you receive from them that would continue to let them be courageous and walk in their faith and persevere in their faith. The report that he gets from them encourages him. I can't imagine the joy that they received when they read this letter. When they said, no, you guys, you're not going to believe. Paul said he's encouraged by our faith. He's the one that encourages us. We need to be able to tell folks and encourage them by the words that we have and the impact that they've had on our lives Maybe it is somebody that you hold dear that you need to just reach out and say, or somebody that you've just had just one moment where you've watched them do something faithful and stand, stand and persevere that's encouraged you and you need to tell them that. The last thing that I think that is here for us that, that it, that's so special is that we can be encouraged by prayer. Because in verse 10, it says, night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. And that's not that they had a faith that was lacking because he already said it was awesome, right? But he had only spent three weeks with them. And what he wanted to do was go back and share more of what he had done, more of what God had done and how their lives could be transformed. But he says in verse 11, now may, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear a way for us to come to you. And may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. And may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God and our Father when our Lord Jesus comes and all of his holy ones. Paul can't go see these precious friends of his that he was concerned for, but his response is not throwing up his hands. He sent Timothy, but he continues to remain steadfast in praying for them and going to the Lord on their behalf. He knows that he can't be present with them as powerful as his presence may be for them and encourage them in, in an incredible way. But what he knows is that the presence of the Lord that he calls on when he, when he asks God to be with him, when he asks God to, to strengthen them, that that power that is sent to them because he prays for them is infinitely more powerful than him even sitting in the room with him.
And I don't think that we understand this. The truth for us is that going to God in prayer is the single most powerful act any Christian can take on the behalf of another. That going to God in prayer is the single most powerful act that any Christian can take on the behalf of another. I can show up at your house and sit with you, but I can't fix your problems. I can't fix what's going on that you're struggling with. I can't, even in my best efforts, and I've tried, just ask my wife, I always have an answer, but I can't fix it. I want to desperately, but what I do know is that the God that I call on in those moments, even if I can't be present, that he is able to do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine that he knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly why you're going through it. And he can give you all the strength and all the power and all the faith to continue walking faithfully in the midst of that struggle that I could never give. And so when we get on our knees and beg the Lord to move in the, on the behalf of our kids, there's nothing more powerful that we can do. There's nothing more powerful that we could do than calling out to the Lord on behalf of a friend who's walking through a struggle and a hard time. Nothing more powerful than saying, God, would you be near to them? I can't right now. And even if I can, my presence is not enough to cover up what's going on there. Would you be near? And knowing, knowing that in my weakness, he has never been weak. That in my distance, he will never be distant. Knowing this, that it tells us in scripture that Jesus right now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us on our behalf, and that when we pray and intercede for others, we're joining with Jesus in what he's doing all the time, right now. Can you imagine a better job, a better activity for any of us? That's what I love about Mondays. You're like, wait, what? Mondays? I love about Mondays at our, as our staff gets together and we, there's all kinds of fun stuff that happens and we sit together, but every Monday at 9.15, our staff gets together and we pray for the prayer requests that you write down. And I never want to get over it because I never want, I never want to get over the fact that that is literally the most important thing that I could do in any day of the week. No matter how many hours I spend on a sermon, no matter how many things that I can accomplish on my task list, there's nothing more important than calling on the name of Jesus to be with the individuals who have shared their request, shared their struggle with us. We can be encouraged by prayer and all the things that Paul can provide for them. The fact that he prays for them is the most encouraging. It can be a throwaway in our conversations, but it can't be. I'll pray for you, right? We can't let it be a throwaway. It's got to mean what it means. We've got to see the value of it. We've got to see the hugeness of the fact that when we ask God to do those things, to go and to be with people, that we're asking the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to do what we could never, ever do on our own. And it's the best work that we can have and the greatest encouragement that we can have from this passage. Because as we look at these passages, we celebrate the goodness of God in the church. It can, be a, it can be a reminder of God's goodness for the church. It can be a reminder of God's goodness for us. 
that he's near, that he hears us, that he sends brothers and sisters to be around us. We have encouraging words to be able to, to, to share with others. And there's presence. And we're gonna ask the band to come back up and those who are um, serving as ushers this morning, as we kind of transition this morning. What is also incredible is that we get to be encouraged by the things that, that we get to be a part of, but, but ultimately the, the ways that God has blessed us as a, as a body and the way that, that people have given. We get to celebrate those things. And that's not a, it's not a break from our worship. And so we don't think this is like a, a time out, right? It's not a time out, we're gonna do something different. We, this is a reality that this is a continuation. That you guys have given, so many of you are, 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 have been around and are partners here at Rolling Hills, and we thank you for giving faithfully and consistently. You allow us to continue to do ministry and, and, and reach out and do things like we're going to do Saturday at, at Saturday Serve to be able to serve Riverside Elementary. And so I want to thank you for that and continue to ask you to give and uh, give faithfully. And I don't, I don't apologize for that. I, I believe that's a part of the way that we worship. If you are a part of Rolling Hills and maybe you've done uh, automatic whatevers, I don't know the right words for those things. But if you've never transitioned that to the Columbia campus, I'd invite you to do that as well, just to kind of help us track so that we can know what we have the budget-wise to be able to use those, um, those resources uh, for our community. And so I'd ask you to do that. If you're a guest, I'm not asking you to give us anything. I'd, just, I'd love for you just to fill out that card and drop it in the, in the basket as it passes. But one of the things that we get to celebrate today as we've talked about it is today is the ending of that for the kingdom. And I hope that we never grow tired of celebrating God's goodness and we never forget all that he's done. And part of this whole series has been that, celebrating God's goodness and, and the fact that he's done so many things. And as we started this three years ago, we believed that it was, God, it was a faithful step because God was calling us to, to make room for the church to continue to grow. And there was five things that we, that we kind of launched out with, five things that were, that were the initiatives for the For the Kingdom campaign or For the Kingdom initiative. It was that, that we would find adult space. We have adult space for, for adults and, and ministry stuff to happen at our Franklin campus and that we'd have invested, we would invest in the next generation, finding space for them, that we'd find a permanent home for Nashville and a permanent home for Nolensville campus. And then we would be able to have two homes uh, for transitional living in Moldova, which we do a lot of work and and um, work and missionary work with, and we've got a trip coming up. I'd love for you to be a part of that. But in so many ways, in each of these things, we, got, we saw God do things that were immeasurably more than we can imagine. And I'm not going to give you all the details. We're going to have some numbers in a couple weeks. And if you were a part of the For the Kingdom campaign, thank you for giving. Because I can say this, that, that in the middle of a pandemic, what we pledged three years ago, our church exceeded in the midst of a pandemic which is absurd. And far beyond that, again, we're gonna talk more about it in a couple weeks when we have some, some other things to be able to share. Far beyond that, as much as you guys gave, God gave so much more. As great as it is, we get to celebrate, we get to celebrate that God did so much more than we could have even imagined when we began this initiative three years ago. And so I wanna thank you for giving. And if you are, if, again, if this is the first time you're hearing about it, you're a part of that, you're, you're a part of this because this is a part of that, we get to be a part of that. As we needed adult space, the part of that was, hey, we're gonna expand into more campuses and make room. And so here we are. So we can thank those who have given. And here's what I wanna say, is that he's not done yet. 
there's still more to be done. We're not starting a new initiative tomorrow, but I'm telling you that God has more for this campus and for Rolling Hills and for his people than he's done so far. And we, we're not done yet. And so I'm thankful that, you get to, that we get to do this together and go on this journey together. Let me pray for the offering. Uh, and then uh, we have just one more kind of celebration part for us this morning. Jesus, we thank you so much for all that you've done and are doing and the fact that we get to be a part of it. God, may we be encouraged by your word this morning. May God, you allow us to have conversations that bring encouragement to us. God, may we be people of prayer who go to you knowing, God, that, that with great, what great encouragement we send when we call on you on the behalf of others. We thank you for what you've done in Rolling Hills in the past three years. And God, what, we just look forward to you continuing to do so much more than we can ask or imagine and the fact that we get to be a part of it. It's in Christ, holy and righteous name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.